You are listening to the Extraordinary Events Podcast with Dr. K, episode number 21, Adjusting Your Mindset. Welcome to the Extraordinary Events Podcast, where we aim to educate, inspire, and empower individuals who wish to design transformational experiences. Now, your host, event education champion, Dr. Kristen Mallett. Hello, hello, and happy Tuesday, everyone. Last Tuesday, we had a bit of a different episode where I had invited Allie, and we were going to talk about all the things that we can improve on the podcast, and particularly in these Tuesday lessons. And Allie had mentioned a couple different areas that she thinks that I should mention on the podcast. So Ali, I think what was interesting is last week when I asked you the question, what is the thing you've learned the most from working with me in this podcast, you had said that the thing you learned the most wasn't actually physical, it was a mindset and how I lead like I do and how I approach different situations. And you had shared some stories about that. So I was wondering if you would mind repeating those for some of our listeners today. Yeah, for sure. One of the biggest things I think is where my mindset kind of comes from is when I was younger, I was diagnosed with a reading disability. And so I kind of looked at life a little differently. I think that when you're younger with a disability, you want to hide that. And especially the school system with ADA can't really tell people. So you kind of feel like it's a hidden secret and it's hard to get out of that mindset and going into college and working with you throughout that. You've talked about this and I didn't even really realize it is like the mindset of me being more open with it and not really caring. So like um, with spelling, I used to be very like, oh, they're going to know I don't want to present it. But then now I'm kind of like, I don't care. Like just tell them up front. If they judge me, they judge me, whatever. But it's, I can't like not live my life because of it and I have to be able to be okay with that and learn from it and so I think that's a big mindset thing and that was just like one thing that I've learned from you but there's so many different things. And it's been really cool to see you kind of evolve throughout all of that. The first semester we worked together, you were doing more independent research on your own, and you were doing a theoretical project and putting together a folder, and you didn't really have to share with anybody. But then the second semester we were working together, you were an advanced events leader. So you had to do agendas for every class. You had to stand up and present, and you really kind of owned that. and allowed your team to to get to know you better as a more authentic leader. And it kind of went from, I remember very specifically, you told me once, you said, uh, I'll tell them, I'll tell them when they need to know. And now you just go around saying like, hey, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> just like introduce it. The funny thing about the advanced events thing that you mentioned is that it started to become a game because my agendas would be spelled wrong, like agenda was spelled wrong. <laughs> and they would look for it and point it out. And it wasn't like, making fun of it was like embracing it, you know? And so they would be like, it was like a scavenger hunt each time. And if there wasn't a typo, they would be disappointed. They (laughs) wanted one. (laughs) And so I never grew up in a leadership role and I never thought I was a leader until I was put in that position. 
So I think also watching you um, with the mindset that you have and being able to kind of adjust my leadership skills and my mindset has been very interesting because especially with the advanced events class, um, being able to delegate and not having all the answers and thinking on your feet is something that you do really well. And I see that and strive towards that because it's really cool how you think and your mindset is around that because after you do something, um, like push someone in a certain direction and I don't realize it's happening. And then I look back and I'm like, wow, the way she did that was very strategic and really cool. And one thing that you used to tell us all the time is I know the answer, but I'm not going to tell you because I want to see where where you're going to go with it because it could be completely different. And my answer might not actually be the answer. It's just what I think, in my opinion right now, but change my mind. And I think that is the coolest thing because you're not limiting yourself, but you're also not limiting the people around you. And that's how you get really cool ideas and grow as a team and as a person. I will say that it's so frustrating but then looking back you realize like what's happening that's really cool but you're like just tell me just tell me the answers I don't want to have to go through this just tell me (laughs) but then then you realize in the end like I'm so glad she didn't tell me because we wouldn't have got where we are but in the moment you're just like oh gosh no like just tell me But the biggest thing that I have for people uh, in all my classes, but also in the industry, I say there is no right or wrong, but I need you to be able to justify your choice. So it doesn't matter to me if you do this or this or this, but I need you to put the thought behind what your decision is and be able to verbalize or, or write it down and... You know, just having people be able to justify what their decisions are, I think, is the most important step in evolving mindset. I agree. And then when you pose those questions like, why do you think that? A lot of people are like, oh, it's wrong. But it's not. You're just asking because you want them to justify it. And I think that being able to have that mindset of, okay, she's not asking me because she thinks it's horrible, so I'm not going to shut down. It's I need to justify it so then we can grow it. And I think that's something I really struggled with was, okay, she's not asking me to like bring me down and tell me it was wrong. She's asking me because she wants to understand how I'm thinking and grow it and actually make it something that we can use. And that kind of ties in with structure failure is it's okay to not have it right the first time and then have someone look at it and be able to change that is a really big thing and I think people are scared to do that when honestly that's the only way you grow and learn well and I think also it's okay to fail you just have to talk about it and reflect on it and learn on it and I feel so often and this isn't specific to teaching it's it's every industry every profession is that when you fail, maybe you internalize it, but you don't actually talk about it. And that is actually why I made one of the values for this initiative that we share both successes and failures or opportunities for improvement because people aren't talking about their failures. And we have so much we can learn from each other and from the failures. In fact, students most often ask me for those type of plan B stories of like, what was the biggest mistake you've ever made? Or what was the biggest failure? Because people want to hear those stories, but other people are so scared to share them because they think it makes them look worse. But I think that not being afraid to fail is something that 
I wasn't taught as a child, and I think a lot of people weren't. And it's something that's so important because we're so scared of failing that we don't even go and do stuff. We don't put ourselves out there. And I don't know. I I think there's it's really good to reflect on the good stuff, but it's really good to reflect on the bad as well. I think it's also really frustrating for students that most of the time I don't give examples unless it's something like a budget or you're giving the template or the form. But so often I hear, Dr. K, I want an example. I want an example. And just over the years, you see that all you're getting is the exact template and format of the example, and you're not getting original work. And so now all of my rubrics, which are extraordinarily detailed, are all on the process. And as long as you're following the process, everybody gives such a different outcome There's so many different outcomes you can have, but you're really laying out the steps of a process. Yeah, and I think that something that comes with that is it's not wrong. Like, everyone's like, well, what if I do it the wrong way? Well, nothing's wrong as long as you are doing it in the way that you kind of structure it so it works for the project or um, has the same goal. But it's not wrong to do it a certain way, and I think that's why people love examples so much. We grew up on them. It's kind of how we've learned. And I think it's because we have this mindset of we don't want to fail. We don't want to do it wrong. And once you get out of that, you realize that there's so many different ideas that you get. Absolutely. And I think that that applies more to post-college life as well. You know, I teach the the apex, the standard forms, you get your RFP, you get your budgets, you have all of those forms. And so often students say, oh my gosh, I'm in an internship and they don't have any of these forms and I'm bringing such value or, oh, I'm in a job, I've been hired and they didn't have any of these forms and I could bring all of this in. They didn't know that apex or the event industry council existed. But what their real value is outside of just having that knowledge in those forms forms was the process because you're not going to have someone who gives you a 10 point bullet point of what they want for their event, but you have to be able to think through that process. And as long as you have that, you can apply it to anything at any point in your life. And that's why I feel I focus so much on the process. And actually when you write reflections, you're not reflecting on the outcome, you're reflecting on the process. And I think that's one of the biggest things I like about you is you set us up for the future and how it actually will be instead of structuring it a certain way and then it being completely different when you get into the industry because in the, when you're like you said when you're in the industry you're not going to have an example you're not going to have a sheet that says okay do this it's going to be okay you have this one task figure out how to do it and you have no extra instructions no examples you just got to go do it and i think that the way you structure your class and um, even your team is you don't give them those examples. You make it as real world as possible. And I think that sets us up for the best possible people we can be in our careers and in our lives. One thing that I definitely want to touch upon is something you mentioned last week, but then also when I had Lillian, who's one of my grad students on the podcast in a student spotlight episode three or four that both of your favorite things was what I call a design meeting. It's actually my favorite meeting of the week. I live for these design meetings. I love them. And so I know that you mentioned it last week in terms of mindset. So do you want to talk about 
what that is and how that's really helped evolving mindsets? Yeah. So a design meeting is, um, well, how we did our design meetings were for your class in the spring. And it was our team got together with a student from the class and we just sat down and brainstormed different ideas of how the next class was going to go. And we wanted it so outside of the box, not like any other class you had, no PowerPoints, nothing, very creative. And people's ideas, it was so cool to see, but one girl wasn't sure how to, um, she didn't want to say stuff because she was scared that people would think it's wrong. And one thing that you said was, it's okay, like just say it. And it might spark something in someone else, even if we don't use that idea. And it did. Like, that was so cool to see is someone else would say something and I'd be like, wait, that doesn't work, but this will. Or, okay, I don't have the full idea, but here's part of it. Can someone else finish it or get um, another part of it so we can elaborate on that? And it was really cool to see that whole process. And then you just get closer with the people and um, it's just a really cool environment. And I... I've never experienced anything like it and I love it. Well, and I think, you know, as a as an aging professor, <laughs> I'm not old, I'm aging. As an aging professor, I think also these design meetings, the reason why I love them is it makes me think outside the box. I remember very specifically when Emily was talking about this one activity and then I referenced it in a podcast because it was so successful, but it's nothing that I would have personally done. And then when we moved online and we started doing things with TikTok, I didn't even have the app downloaded. And we created this activity around TikTok or Snapchat, students' preference, and people loved it. At the end of the semester, they were like, oh my goodness, I really remember that. And the attendee point of view and the attendee experience journey just because they had to do a little TikTok video on it, which is cool. Yeah. And I think that's something that's really interesting about you and your classes as well is you aren't afraid to do something you're not comfortable with or you don't know. So you are able to take people's feedback and ideas and actually use them instead of saying, okay, this is the way we've always done it. This is how I'm going to do it. And you're just a student you don't know. Like, oh, that's a great idea. Let's incorporate it somehow. Or that idea needs some work. Let's think about it and how, how we can incorporate it and use it in a certain way. Maybe not here, but over here. And you actually consider people's feedback and understand and, okay, this is what they want and they're the student and this is the way that they're going to learn. Why don't we incorporate that? Because the goal isn't to just teach. It's to actually get the knowledge and grow people's minds and get them to a place where they feel comfortable going out to the industry and becoming these great people that can lead or these great people that can do these amazing things. Absolutely. Well, I'll give you money for, the, <laughs> for that comment after. <laughs> so, so there's one thing that I do want to focus on. We're talking about all of these amazing things, but there's real value and importance of placing constraints. We talk about that in our creativity activities. We talk about that in the brainstorming and design meeting structure. There's real value in constraints. Focusing on one thing in depth for a certain amount of time and then moving on to other things. So I think the biggest example of that is we had to do a vision board in one of your classes and you gave us 
I think two minutes to do the, a whole vision board and there was a group so we had to even pull up the document we had to do everything. it was five minutes okay, okay five minutes <laughs> I feel like it was two minutes because it was yeah but um we didn't think we were gonna get it done and we got it done and it was really cool and I would have spent hours on that if I wouldn't have had that restraint and I don't think it would have been as cool as what we had I think that is a common constraint that is overlooked, especially with people with perfectionist or type A mindsets of we want everything to be perfect. We strive for the A plus and then you turn it in and you feel like it's this perfect document and then you get some constructive criticism on it and you feel like your world is shattered. But if you can submit what I like to call the B work, you submit the B work it's quick, it's easy, you get some constructive criticism and some feedback on it, you incorporate it. You've gone from having a one and done perfectionist mindset to a more prototype iterative mindset where you're okay taking those small steps over time. And the time constraint is a really big one for that. Um, And for me, that was really hard. And I still have like 17 examples I give you and I'm like, which one do you like? Different options. And I shouldn't have gotten that far without first seeing the first couple of examples and going from there, but it's hard to get out of that mindset. And you've talked about this before of being able to give that idea up. And if it's not what, if it's not working, being able to just like get rid of it, just throw it away, even though it's like your favorite thing and you love it, it doesn't work with the whole thing. You have to get rid of it. Absolutely. So many students that come into the event design process who say, okay, this is my event and these are my stakeholders. And then once they do the empathy mapping and do the actual design process at the end, so many times they're like, well, this isn't at all what I thought it was going to be at the beginning. And they have to kind of be okay with that. And if they're not okay with it, then they have to really look inside and say, okay, why am I not okay with this? Because it's traditionally a mindset. And don't get me wrong, as a student, it's super frustrating. You're like, why do I not have enough time? Like, this is horrible. She's not giving us enough time. She's not blah, blah, blah. But then, like you said, you reflect back and you're like, wow, she was doing that on purpose. It's just very interesting to see that there's always a purpose for what you do and why you're doing it. And I think that could be the topic of a whole nother episode. Thank you so much, Ali, for being on the podcast today. And thank you all so much to our listeners for tuning in. Please, please, please give us feedback. Let us know what you want to hear, what you want, what you need, because that's why we're here. We're here to help create quality events around the world and helping to shift mindsets. So let us know how we can help with that. And as always, thank you for taking the time to make the time. We will talk to you soon. Thank you for listening to the Extraordinary Events Podcast. Stay tuned for our next episode.